because uh, there's quite a few verses in there. Normally, I just read one or two verses, but the Lord was just, uh, just I was just meditating on, on these. There's three stories here in Luke 15, and in Luke 15, it's, it's three parables that the Lord talks about uh, here uh, in, in this chapter. Um, and so, of course, the first one is the, the and I'm not going to read everything in here. I just want to make some highlights about these three particular stories because there's something the Lord uh, wanted to get across here. Uh, but uh, they're all three parables about uh, bringing people back into the kingdom of God. Uh, and so the first one is the, is the parable of the hundred sheep, right? So you, we, and I uh, think if you've read these stories before, we kind of know them in general, that they were, the Lord left the, the 99 sheep and went to go find the, the one lost sheep. Amen. Uh, and uh, did he find the one lost sheep? Uh, he did, right? Now, uh, in all three of these parables, because it's a parable, you know, parable can be used uh, to study, uh, and there may be more than one um, central idea. Usually there's one central idea, but, the, you know, you can apply it in, in multiple ways. Uh, in this particular case, there was a hundred sheep. So were they all sheep when they were sheep? I know it's a deep, deep question right there, right? So they were, they were all sheep, uh, and then one left. Well, was that one that left, was he a sheep before he left? Was he a sheep while he was left? Was he a sheep when he came back? So he was always a sheep, right? So you can apply this either uh, in one of two scenarios. Either it can be talking about lost people who had never been part of the church. Well, if that's the case, people that are lost right now that are not part of the, of the Lord, Lord Jesus' uh, church, well, they're not a sheep, right? In fact, the Bible will call them a goat. Uh, and so they don't become a sheep until they accept the Lord Jesus. And so, you know, but, you know, you can apply this as uh, trying to reach the lost or you can apply it to, to reaching those that have left the Lord and are just backslidden in a backslidden state. Uh, and really, I think uh, both of those are perfectly fine uh, to apply that in that scenario. But uh, uh, one thing, did somebody go, uh, to go, did somebody go find the sheep? Somebody did, right? So somebody chased after the sheep and went and found them. And, and what was the result? Well, the result of the, of the people was that there was great joy, right? Because uh, he said in verse 6, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say unto you in verse 7, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than the 99 just persons which need no repentance. So there was joy both in earth and in heaven when this person repented. Uh, and so, you know, the, the thing that the Lord was, was just uh, reminding me about is, what, what is my response? What should my response be when I see somebody return back to the Lord? I should rejoice, right? Uh, and, uh, but how many times in the church when, you know, somebody's in the church and they leave the church and backslide and they come back to the church, uh, you know, how many times, well, where you been, right? Uh, how come you backslid? Uh, no, this, we should rejoice, right, when people come back to the Lord, amen? Because that, that's what it says here. They rejoiced, right? Uh, and, and not only do the people rejoice, but heaven rejoices. You know, heaven is... Uh, the, heaven is not mad when people repent. Amen. It, heaven is not like, well, it's about time, you, you know, backslidden buzzard. Uh, heaven rejoices. Amen. And so if heaven rejoices, what should we do? Well, should we rejoice. Amen. When somebody comes back to the Lord. Amen. And, and we should never make them feel uncomfortable and make them feel, you know, like, well, it's about time you straightened up, you know. Uh, it, it, we should rejoice. Amen. And, and so, and then the same, the same, the next parable is a lost coin, right? Ten pieces of silver. Uh, one got lost, and um, and then what did they do? They went and looked looked for the coin, didn't they? Right. So someone chased down the coin. Now, was it a coin before it was lost? <clears throat> it was. Was it a coin while it was lost? It was. Was it a coin when it was returned? It was always a coin. Amen. So you could apply that both to 
people that have never been part of the church uh, that are lost, but you can also apply it to people that have been backslidden. They're Christians. You know, a, a backslidden Christian is still a Christian, amen? Uh, could they lose their eternal? They, they, you know, that's a, another whole discussion, but 99% of the time, probably more percent of that, they're going to make their way to heaven, right? They may end up with nothing when they get there, right, because they haven't laid up themselves treasures in heaven, but they would make it to heaven. I'm not anybody's judge, uh, and so I just leave it alone. If they profess that they were a Christian before they backslid, then I'm going to assume that they have remained as a Christian. Uh, and um, uh, even in their backslidden state, and, you know, again, we don't have time to go into all the doctrinal basis for that. If you want to come up and ask me where, where uh, book, chapter, and verse, and if you have an hour, I'd be glad to go through uh, and, and explain that uh, to you. But we've gone uh, over that many times in, in the church here. Uh, and so what was the result when the coin came back? Verse 10, uh, or in verse uh, 9, it says, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Uh, verse 10, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner. So there's joy, there's joy on the earth. There's joy in heaven. So should we rejoice when somebody comes back to the Lord? Amen. Should we, should we berate them and tell them, you know, how sorry they are and, you know, about time you straightened up? And No, that's not rejoicing, right? That's uh, being unkind to somebody. Amen. Uh, and so, and then the last one is the parable of the lost son, right? And, of course, that's a great story there uh, that we call it the prodigal son. And, um, uh, again, the question is, was he a son before he left? Was he a son while he was out in the world living a riotous living? Was he a son when he came back? Was he always a son? It was always a son, right? So he never was not a son. So, again, you could apply that both to the lost, right, uh, who have never known the Lord, but also to uh, backslidden uh, people. Uh, in this particular story, uh, what did the father do when the son left? Did he go chase him down, go find him? Uh, did he go drag him out of a ditch? Well, what did he do? He didn't do anything, right? He waited for the son to return. So, uh, so, so now... Uh, that's completely different than the other two parables. So, uh, but that, that's a problem for us because we like to make a law. Right? We want to make a law. If someone ever backs, we've got to go chase them down every single time. Well, is that what it shows here? Sometimes people get chased down. Sometimes you've got to let them walk, right? Uh, and, well, how do you know? Well, that's the job of the Holy Ghost. He tells you what to do. Sometimes the Lord has told me, you go chase them down. And I've chased a lot of, lot of sheep down. Sometimes the Lord has said, no. You cannot chase them down. But, Lord, you know, they've walked off. You, you cannot chase them down. And if the Lord says don't chase them down, what do you do? You don't chase them down, right? Well, well but, but if you don't chase them down, well, uh, I mean, is he the Lord? Does he know what he's doing? He's the Lord. He knows what he's doing. Amen? Uh, and there's a time and a place for everything. And so uh, if, the Lord's, if the Lord says uh, do it or if the Lord says don't do it, then I'm fine either way, right? Because if I I'm, I'm have confidence in the Lord that he knows always what he's doing, amen? So don't make a law. Well, you always got to chase him down. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't chase him down. Well, why not? You know, I mean, that's really between them and the Lord, amen? He, does he know everything? He knows everything, amen? Uh, but uh, when, when the man uh, finally came uh, back to himself, uh, in fact, I love, I love verse 17 there, and when he came to himself, so where was he when he was not himself? He was in sin, right? See, you are your spirit, right? You, you have a soul, you live in a body, but you are your spirit. And your spirit always lines up with God. Uh, and sometimes we allow our minds to go squirrely, and, our, and we follow our minds, we follow our emotions, we follow our flesh. A lot of times we follow other things other than our spirit, and when we come back to ourself, in other words, when we leave following our emotions or when we leave following our flesh and we come back to what our spirit's always told us to begin with, 
then things get straightened up, amen, and that's what he did. He, he came to himself, uh, and he said, and he arose, uh, and it says in verse 20, he arose and came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Uh, and, of course, you know, he said, Lord, uh, you know, Father, I'm not worthy. And, of course, uh, what was the father's response to what the son said? He completely ignored it, right? You know, your groveling doesn't impress the Lord, right? Lord, I'm such a sorry person. I'm, so, I'm no count. Uh, and the Lord's just like, blah, 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 blah. You done now? Okay, now let's go on with other things, right? Uh, and so <clears throat> the, the father didn't respond and hook up and say, yeah, you're right. Uh, and that's not necessarily, you know, I mean, sometimes you may have to talk to somebody about their situation. But the father didn't do that. Uh, in fact, the father ran with compassion to him. And, he, and of course, uh, he said, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet, and, bring, and kill the fatted calf, and be merry. So what did he do uh, when the, the prodigal son came back? He rejoiced. Amen. What should we do when people come back to the Lord? We should rejoice. And that was really what the Lord wanted to get across to me is, what's our response when people come back to the Lord? We should rejoice with them. Amen. We should be glad that they're there. Amen. And what if they, what if they backslide again next week? We, we do whatever. Lord, what do you, you want to go chase them down? You know, usually what we find is, uh, and it's not, a, again, it's not a law, but oftentimes when people are baby Christians, it's helpful to go chase them down, right? Uh, because, you know, they haven't got settled into the church. They don't know. But a lot of times as people grow in the Lord uh, and they know the Lord, they know the Word, they know the Spirit of God, and yet they still backslide. Sometimes the Lord, uh, it, it seems to be more often than, than the case than that. But even in those, there's no law. But that seems to be more, more likely the case that if somebody's been with the Lord a long time, we don't chase them down. Well, why not? Well, because they know better, right? Uh, and, and they should be the ones chasing down the baby Christians anyway, amen? Uh, again, do we make a law? Don't make a law. Uh, there is no law. But uh, the, the consistency is here. We always rejoice, amen? And so we should always rejoice when people come back to the Lord. We should be glad for them, amen? Uh, and uh, we should, uh, I mean, it says that heaven rejoices and the earth rejoices when these people came back to the Lord. So if heaven's rejoicing and we are not, then we are out of sync with heaven, amen? So we should follow the example of heaven and the angels. It says that there's joy in the presence of the angels in heaven. Uh, and, uh, and so if the angels are rejoicing and we're not, then one of us is out of sync, amen? Uh, we should line up with the angels and follow their example. If they're rejoicing, well, you know, well, you don't know what they did. Well, I think the angels probably know more what they did than you did anyway, right? Uh, and so uh, the, if the angels can rejoice, surely we can, Amen. And so that's good. that should be good news for everybody because it's not that we overlook things, not that we, we say it doesn't matter. Uh, we rejoice that they're here, amen? We can deal with the fallout later on. We can rejoice right now, and then we'll deal with the rest of it later on, amen? So let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. The earth worthy to be worshipped. There's no other gods, Father, as the world would define them, that's worthy to be worshipped. You are the only one, Father, who's expressed great love for humanity. You alone, Father, are the one who created the universe and created us, your people. Father, you display love towards us, kindness towards your people. Father, we exalt your name. Father, you paid a great price to obtain a name that is now above every name. And then you gave that name to your church, Father, to live in the same authority that you did. 
to live in the same victory, Father, that you showed on the earth. So, Father, we thank you. We exalt you, Father. And Father, we will live our lives as if you are the exalted king. We answer to you, Father. Our lives answer to you. Father, we thank you. Father, we, deserve, we desire to give you all the glory and honor for these things, Father. We desire to worship you and you alone, Father. So, Father, we thank you. And Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Is he worthy to be worshipped? You know, sometimes it's just... Uh, you get to thinking about the Lord and he gets so big in your heart that you just have to worship him. You have to, you know, many times just by myself, I just start telling the Lord how amazing he is and how big he is, and how kind he is and good he is. And it's good for you to do that. Amen. It's good for you to remind the Lord, not that he needs to be reminded, but it's good for you to do that. Amen. Um, because, uh, you know, sometimes you know, we get a little rusty in our praise to the Lord, right? We, we feel uncomfortable with that and and because we're human beings, and but it's just uh, if you if you just meditate on how big the Lord is, that that desire will get so big in you, it just has to be expressed, right? It gets so big on the inside of you that you have to speak it out, right? Remember what uh, Jeremiah said that uh, that if he didn't preach, it's like fire shut up in his bones, and and sometimes you have to express it. Sometimes it just has to get out, amen. Uh, and um, uh, and so it's. Just let it use you, right? Uh, you know, don't try to, you know, shut up, be quiet. No, no. You know, sometimes, remember what Jesus said, that if, that if, if we don't cry out, what, what will cry out? Rocks. Very rocks. You want, you want a brick to out-worship out the Lord compared to you? That'd be really embarrassing, right? You know, you get in line in heaven, right? And, you know, the greatest worshiper is down to least, and, you know, you're in line, and, you know, you think you did pretty good, and in front of you is a, is a rock. You know, it's a, a, a brick is in front of you. That's in front of me. That, that beat me? Yeah, yeah, rock, you know, just an old pebble out of the, out of the ground, right? That, that'd be a little embarrassing, right? You know, you, know, <laughs> you get in line and, 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 a, and uh, a brick beats you in line, right? Uh, and so, um, uh, but you know, you think about that. Was that a true statement? Well, I believe it's true. Did Jesus say it? He said it, right? So that'd be a true statement. Uh, well, why is that? Well, who created the rocks? Well, the Lord did. So everything that's created has got the fingerprint of God on it. Uh, and it has the ability and the capacity to worship the Lord. And, and uh, I don't know what that looks like, but, um, but he said it would, amen. amen. Uh, and, uh, and if it's created by God, it has the capacity to worship God. And, so, and also, if it's created by God, it has the capacity to hear faith. Didn't Jesus speak to the tree? Yep. Did he say, speak to the mountain? Yep. He didn't say, speak about the mountain. He said, speak to the mountain. Well, it, well uh, remember he, when, he, when he cursed a fig tree, he said he answered the fig tree. Well, why did he answer the fig tree? Because the fig tree was selling him, I'm not giving you no figs. You know, you, oh, you're not going to give me no figs? Yeah, I'm not going to give you no figs. Well, then I'm going to answer that and say, well, then you know, you'll never give anybody figs, you know. Uh, and, um, and so uh, that's another whole discussion for another day right there. But, um, uh, you know, there's a little, lot of hints in, this, in the Word of God. You know, you've got to be careful because you can get some really weird doctrine and all those things. And so, but we have been teaching in the, uh, on the Sermon on the Mountain. We're near the end of chapter 5. Remember, the Sermon on the Mount is chapters 5, 6, and 7 of the book of Matthew. And we got to, to the point where Jesus said, love your enemies, amen, which is a new concept because before it was bury your enemies, amen. 
and of course, ma many people in the church like the, like the Old Testament method of dealing with enemies versus the New Testament, right? Shoot them all and bury the rest. And, uh, but the Lord said uh, to love your enemies, amen? Uh, and really, he was telling a group of people who were incapable at that point in time to execute that commandment, right? He said, love your enemies, but they didn't have the love of God in their hearts. Uh, but then once we got saved, remember uh, in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says that the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. So when you got born again, the, the Spirit of God placed the agape love of God inside of you. Now, it is a fruit of the Spirit. In fact, it's the first fruit of the Spirit. So that love can and should grow, right? You should uh, develop that love walk in you, but it's there already, right? So if you say, well, I, I just can't love like that. Well, that's not a biblically true statement because that, that means that you have no love of God in you, but you do have the love of God in you. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus, you have the agape love, right? The God kind of love. So, you know, we, we understand, and, and of course we can go back through everything, but we understand there's at least uh, three types of love that's mentioned uh, uh, in the Word of God. And uh, of course the first love is, is the agape love of God. The second love is, is called filial, which is brotherly love. And then the, there's a the last one then is eros, which is the love uh, that a husband and wife share in a physical sense. Uh, but the agape love is the one that's shed abroad in your hearts. You know, the, the brotherly love, uh, the Bible does say quite a bit about that. And, you know, it's okay to have brotherly love. It's an emotional love. But it, it, it's not all-encompassing and all-capable like the agape love of God is. Amen? And many times we, we only operate in the, the emotional love. And if you only operate in emotional love, that will come to an end. When circumstances rise up and life happens, emotional love will come to an end, right? You'll, you'll suddenly, well, I don't, how, many, how many husbands and wives have looked at each other? I don't love you anymore. You know, you got, you got fat, you got gray, you got, you know, whatever, you got wrinkles, you know. Uh, I mean, whatever the reason is, uh, you know, I, I stopped loving you. Well, um, emotional love will come to an end. Because it's based on circumstances. It's based on, on uh, does somebody operate the way that you want them to operate. Uh, but the love of God is perfect and pure. Amen. The love of God always is the right path in every situation. Amen. And, uh, you know, hopefully the emotional love will line up with the love of God. But oftentimes it doesn't. And you should always yield to the love, to the love of God. And so we, we have been going through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Of course, it's, it's the great love chapter. And we're nearly done with that. And so I, I, there was one more verse. Of course, I think it's, it's uh, a key verse here. Uh, but uh, in verse 8 here, I'm going to read it in King James. And King James, for whatever odd reason, they use charity in every case. Most of the time they translate it as love in other cases, but they translate it as charity, which to me is, is a very weak translation of the love of God, right? Charity sounds like donations. You know, you, you, you throw a dollar in a bucket at, at, uh, at, at Walmart when they're ringing the bell. You know, that's charity, right? Yeah, that's not, to me, that's, it's a very small amount of, of love. Uh, but it is the word love. It's agape. It's the word agape there in the original language there. And so verse 8 in the, in the King James says, Charity or love never fails. But where there be prophecies, they'll fail. Where there be tongues, they shall cease. Where there be knowledge, they shall banish away. But love never fails. Uh, in the the uh, amplified version of verse 8 says, Love, agape, never fails. It never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. And then it goes on to the, the other things about prophecy and tongues. But the, the key that we want to look at today is that love never fails. Is that a true statement? Yeah, sure. uh, it's a true statement. Uh, do we always uh, live up to that statement? How many times have we said, I've had it up to here, or I can't take it anymore? Uh, well, if you say things like, I can't take it anymore, is that a biblically true statement? 
So I can't take it anymore. So you're saying that love has reached an end. My love, my ability to love has come to an end. I don't have the capacity to love anymore. Is that a, is that a biblically true statement? Not a biblically true statement. And, uh, you know, many years ago, the Lord started dealing with me in these areas that, that uh, do, do my words line up with the Word of God? Do my words line up with the Word of God? So if I said, I just can't take it anymore, does that line up with the Word of God? And if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, I have to change what I say, or I have to change what the Word of God says, which, of course, would be, you know, not intelligent thing to do. Uh, but a lot of Christians live that way. They'll say things all the time that's completely opposite from the Word of God. Uh, or diminishes the Word of God to the point that it's not even the Word of God. And so, uh, and this is just one of many things, right? Uh, you know, I remember my pastor, uh, he started me on a lot of these things because he would say things like, um, you can't say that, that uh, you made me mad because nobody can actually make you mad, right? Nobody can actually go into your little brain and turn on the mad switch, right? You can just respond to somebody and get mad. So, so really, nobody makes you mad. You choose to get mad, right? So it's, a, it's your choice. Now, you know, somebody, uh, you know, Jesus didn't excuse what people do because he said, uh, in, in fact, uh, what we're here, let's turn over to, to Luke, Luke 17 there because that's always a good, uh, that's always a good uh, chapter to go to. Uh, and so he said in verse, uh, in verse 1, he, he said, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. So our offense is going to come into your life? Is somebody going to do something with the intention of offending you? Well, sure, right? Uh, they will. Uh, are you required by law to be offended? No. If somebody brings an offense to you, are you required by law to receive that offense? Well, no, you know, you're not required to receive the offense, but, but can you keep people from, from trying to bring offenses into your life? You cannot keep people from trying to bring offenses. People will always try to bring offenses into your life. They'll come and say something unkind to you. They'll just lie about you. They'll do something intentionally to hurt your feelings. People are going to do that. Uh, what did Jesus say? It's impossible. It's going to happen. And so you have to get settled in heart. It's going to happen, right? Now, do you want it to happen? Anybody looking for that to happen? Anybody desiring that to happen? That you would be weird if you did that, right? But some people are like, oh, I'm just a martyr. You know, my life is always so hard. I'm always, I'm always the one people are picking on. Why are you using your confession, confession to, to advance that cause in your life? You know, and people do that all the time. Oh, I'm always, I'm always short end of the stick, you know. Uh, and people always mean to me. Uh, just, uh, uh, you don't need to use your confession to assist the devil, right? But Jesus said it's going to happen. Is it going to happen? Well, Jesus said it's going to happen, right? So, you know, I just, I just can't, you know, I don't want to be, ever be offended. Well, the... The only way to never be offended is to find a hole, up, you know, on the backside of Dayton Mountain and live in that cave. And maybe you won't be offended. Uh, but, um, you know, you still might could, right? Because uh, um, didn't Noah kind of get offended at the, at the gorge and the whatever, you know, that uh, you got offended because nature didn't do what he thought it should do. I mean, you could still be offended at a rock. Amen. Uh, it's, so it's going to come. But, of course, Jesus, did he, did he leave the other person off the hook? No. Uh, it, it, he said it would be better for him, the one who brings the offense, that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he be cast into the sea. Then he should offend one of these little ones. So, uh, you know, the, in, in, in fact, uh, later on, that's the last thing he says about the person bringing the offense. The rest of the chapter is talking about you, the one who the offense was brought to. Uh, and of course, the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. We can't, we can't handle this. This is too much. We can't handle being offended. Uh, and 
What did Jesus say? Oh, okay, no problem. Uh, you don't have enough faith right now. Let me give you more faith so you can handle the offense when it comes. Is that what he did? Of course, that's not what he did, right? Uh, and Jesus said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. So, so they wanted increased faith to deal with the offense. And Jesus said, if you had the tiniest little amount of faith, right? The tiniest little amount of faith. So if you're offended, what does that tell you about your faith? You got less faith than the grain of a mustard seed. Amen? So that's pretty small, right? And what did Jesus tell the disciples many times? Oh, ye of what? Little faith. When he said little faith, he meant less than a grain of a mustard seed. Anybody seen a grain of mustard seed, right? Uh, I've got some somewhere packed up still, but uh, they're tiny, right? I mean, they're, they're not like a, like a peach pit, right? That's huge, right? A grain of mustard seed is tiny, right? A couple of grains of, of salt uh, about that size. It's not, it's not much bigger than that. Uh, so they're small. So Jesus said, with a small amount of faith, you have the capacity to overcome every offense. But the disciples think, thought they needed greater faith. Now, this is Luke 17, so this is after Luke chapter 10. Remember Luke chapter 10, he sent the disciples out two by two to go pray for the sick, right? Raise the dead. And they were doing that. Well, here we are seven chapters later, and, and they think they need more faith to deal with an offense than to raise the dead. And, of course, that's convenient, right? Because, Lord, I mean, I'd do it, Lord. I can raise the dead, but, but hand it with the, when they called me that name, I couldn't handle that. I can raise the dead over here. But I can't, you know, that, there's no way. You know, they said my hair was messed up. And that, man, oh Lord, I couldn't handle that. You know, I mean, just, uh, there's no way, Lord. I need more faith. I need more faith in raising the dead. Uh, and, but don't we love that? Because you know, that makes us not guilty, right? Because, Lord, I'd do it. If you if it just give me more faith in the raise the dead, I, I could handle the offense. But, I, you know, Lord, so it's not my fault. Because we never want to be at fault, right? We never want to be guilty. It's that guy's fault, right? It's the guy who brought the offense. But Jesus said it's going to come. So you might as well plan on, on learning how to deal with it. Because the alternative is to be offended all the time. You know, our society today, it's like you have to have, like everybody's got a PhD in offense. I mean, everybody gets offended. You don't matter what, you, you're offended, right? You can't say anything. Well, I disagree with you. Oh, I'm so offended. Well, you know, I mean, grow up. You know, do, are we ever going to agree? I mean, you can't even disagree about anything nowadays. They will bury you, right? And, uh, and uh, I mean, I don't care. But, but uh, I mean, nowadays, you know, people all the time, and, and then people are apologizing. I disagree with you and you get offended. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not going to, you know, if my intention is not to bring an offense and you take an offense anyway, you know, a friend of mine, he said, uh, you know, the pastor, he said, that's called a borrowed offense, right? <laughs> I didn't even mean to offend you and you still got offended. Well, you know, that's because today we're, uh, our society, for whatever reason, we've gotten to be, be such snowflakes that everything offends us, right? And we have to explode about it and, and make a big deal and, and call people names and you know, whatever, it just, it's like, you know, you know, I can just disagree with you and not hate you, right? But if you disagree with, you know, you're homophobe, bigot, you know, whatever, transphobe, I mean, all the phobes. Well, I'm not afraid of those things, you know, because fear, right? I'm not afraid of those things. I disagree with them. And, and you know, some of them are just completely bonkers, right? Like you, you decide your gender is different than it was yesterday. You know, that's, that's crazy talk, right? I mean, yesterday you were fine in this gender, but today you're, I mean... How many lies did you have to listen to to, to, to believe that? You know, when I was in, when I was in school, we, we uh, had to take, by law, you know, we had to take uh, an elective. And, and, of course, I went as an engineer, so uh, we had to take, a, I took a psychology class, which is interesting for an engineer to take a psychology class. They're like, well, that's dumb. You know, engineers are like, I ain't doing that. Because they, they, they made us take this test, right? Uh, and, you know, it was a pretty simple test. And, and then they got the test back. And, and of course, I got the, the results back of the test, and I failed. And they said, well, how do you feel? So the whole point of the, 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 
test with the, was the experiment was to see how you feel after you, after you fail the test. And I'm like, I didn't fail the test. You lied. Because I'm an engineer. I know I passed the test, you know. And, and sure enough, that's what the whole, you know, the whole experiment was, to see if they can get you to feel bad because you passed, failed the test. Well, I didn't fail the test. You failed the test. And so it's hard for engineers to, you know, because we're just, you know, logical. And, but anyway, so, uh, but one of the experiments was just, uh, they, of course, they couldn't do it because it's unethical now, but they would talk about in history where they would go through and, and, and they would plan on everybody in a room to tell one guy, you feel okay today? You look a little sick. You know, you look like you're not look like a little weak today. Are you okay? And then just kind of go on the next guy. Are you sure you're okay? You know, you're looking like you know a little pale. You know, are you eating okay? You feel? And and they said by the end of it, they could get anybody to feel sick, because enough people would tell them that they look sick, they would start believing they were sick. Well, you know, enough people tell you that you know your gender's wrong, and it's not just people; it's the devils too, right? You'd start to believe it if you listen to things like that. And as an engineer, you're like, I feel great. You know, what's wrong with you, right? Uh, and, and so it's not just an engineer, but a person of faith. You know, you come up and tell me something that's different than the Word of God. I'd be like, no, I feel great. You know, don't you feel bad? No. Uh, you know, aren't you, don't you feel depressed? No, I feel great. What's wrong with you? Uh, and so, so, so Jesus said here, they're going to come. Now, the love of God, see, the love of God, what do you say in, back in, in 1 Corinthians 13? Love what never, never fails. Never so if you will depend on love, it will never fail you. And so you can never biblically get to a point where you say, I can't take it anymore. It's not that you've got to be a martyr, not that you've got to live in offenses every day, right? They're going to come, but it's not like, you know, this happens on a, on a rare occasion, right? I mean, we're, we live in a polite society. We are, we are Christians. But, you know, the vast majority of offenses I've ever had to deal with are, have been inside a church building. Anybody ever experienced that, right? You go outside in the world, you know, especially in the South, we're, all, we're always nice to each other, right? You go up north, they'd be like, shut up. Uh, in fact, when I moved from New Hampshire down to Tennessee, I'd tell them, shut up. And somebody said, well, we don't say that in the South. We say hush. <laughs> uh, really? You say hush? What? What, what? what do you mean by hush? Shut up. So you can't say shut up, but you can say hush, right? So because we're all polite, we're supposed to be polite in the South, I guess. I don't know, you know, but, uh, and so, uh, but uh, the, these, uh, these offenses are going to come and, um, and, you know, they're going to come in church. And it's, is it unfortunate? You know, we ought not offend each other in church. But it happens, amen. And, you know, part of it is because, you know, we see each other on a regular basis, right? And, and you know, you, if you think about people who don't go to church, how many people do they interact with that aren't their direct family on a regular basis? It's, it's a whole lot less than, than uh, if you attend a church on a regular basis. Uh, but, you know, we ought not offend people, but it happens, amen? And I've seen people just offend people, just, just mean, you know, just mean, you know, man, where'd you get those clothes, you know? Hey, uh, uh, don't you own a comb? Uh, you know, maybe don't you comb your hair every now and then? I mean, it's like, what's it to you, right? Uh, I mean, you know, if someone's got food in their teeth, okay, you know, go up there and say, hey, you know, you, you got food in your teeth. Yeah, that's because you're kind, right, because you care about people. Uh, and if you don't care about people, hey, watch this, I'm not going to tell them, but he's going to go over there and, and get food in his teeth. Uh, well, you know, you know who your friends are. They tell you you got food in your teeth, right? Uh, and so uh, can you live in such a way where love never fails, where you, you, have, you cannot be offended, where you, uh, no matter what happens, you, uh, you will not be offended. In fact, just in my own personal life, what I, what I say on a regular basis, just in declaration, I cannot be offended. It is impossible to offend me. And, I, and why do I say that? Well, I say that because I believe that the love of God in me 
can never fail. Never, right? Uh, again, the Amplified Version says, it never fails. It never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. And so uh, the nice thing is all of us have the capacity to live that way right now if we choose to yield to it, if we choose to, in the moment when, when we have option A or option B, in the moment when we can lash out at the offense, oh yeah, you want to step outside and say that? You know, that's one option. You can do that, right? You can, you can receive the offense or you can say, I'm, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing that. And, you know, just in meditating on this, uh, for me, if you, if you can think about it like this, you know, to me, what's the most important thing in my life is my relationship with the Lord Jesus. That's more important than my relationship with you or my wife or the people that I know, my family. It's more important than, than everything I own. It's, it's the most important thing in my life. By far, not even close, right? Uh, and, and I want to keep that relationship always perfect. And it's not always perfect, but that's my desire. I want to keep that relationship fine, right? And so every time I step out of love, every time I allow the offensive to come into my life, and then I lash out, right? I mean, I get mad, I, I respond in a way, I say things or do things that I shouldn't do. You know, that, that hurts my relationship with the Lord. And I've got to repent to restore that relationship. Now, I'm still going to heaven, right? It's not like I've lost my salvation, but my ability to receive the blessings of the Lord are now constrained because I'm outside the will of God. I have said something or done something that I shouldn't do in response to somebody else's actions, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, where I'm at in my life is, why do I want to allow you and what you've done or said to affect my relationship with the Lord Jesus? That means that you're more important to me than the Lord Jesus himself. That means I have elevated you above Lord to become Lord of my life, that I'm not now going to allow you to dictate my life. Uh, and if you kind of put it in that perspective, you know, uh, it's nothing personal, but you're not worth it. You know, I'm not mad at anybody, but you are not worth it to become my God. And every time I choose to yield to your offense, I have now elevated you get to choose how I operate in my life. And I don't want to give anybody that choice. Amen. I, I just, because if I, if I do that, then, then I've got to find my way back to the Lord because of what you've done. And that, that, that's, a, that's the annoying part of it is, is you brought the offense. Right? I don't mean you particularly, but you know, somebody else brought the offense into my life. So, so they're at fault. But then I get mad and respond to them in such a way that, that I'm out of the love of God. Now, I'm also at fault. Now, we're both at fault. And I didn't even do anything. You started it. And now I'm at fault. And now I'm, you know, I'm crossways with the Lord Jesus. And, and, and it's just like doubled up. Not only am I offended, but now I'm out of the will of God. And why is that worth it? It's not worth it. But see, we allow our flesh to elevate. It is worth it. It's worth it to tell them, you know, what you think about them. It's worth it to put them in their place. It's worth it to, to you know, uh, to, to tell them how offended that you are because of what they said. Is it really worth it? I mean, if you, if you, if you weigh the value of you telling them off, and well, I really told them, versus your relationship with the Lord Jesus, what's, where's the scale balancing that? You think that that by you telling them what they, what they should hear versus what the love of God would do? You, you think that's really equal? I mean, it's really not, but, uh, but how many times have we made that choice? I had to tell them. You know, don't you love that statement? I had to tell them. I had to say something. Really? See, anytime you say, I have to, everything else after that's a lie. Now, you chose to, that's true. But you didn't have to. Because you have a free choice, right? You have a free will. Because if you say you have to, it means you've removed the free choice from your life, the free will. And, and any doctrine removes your free will is not valid doctrine, right? That's why the whole, and we've talked about it many times, that's why the whole lie about homosexuality is a lie because they say, well, you, you, you can't choose. 
Well, then you're telling me I've, you've removed my choice. Well, I can't, just on the very basics of that, it's not, it's not correct. Amen? You could choose to be, I mean, how many people have, have been in homosexual relationships and have then left that homosexual lifestyle? Lots of people, right? How many people have not been in that and chose to go into that lifestyle? Well, the, you know, I mean, well, it, it was there all the time. Well, it's funny you didn't live that way all the time, right? Well, then why'd you change back the other way? I mean, you know, so, so people do what they want to do, right? And, and so you know, it's a free, you have a free will. Uh, and so anytime you say, I had to tell them, I had to respond, I had to say something, then you're saying that, that the love of God, because see, the love of God will always tell you the right thing to do. Sometimes the love of God will tell you, you need to say something to them. But see, uh, you have to judge your own heart because I can't judge that for you, but you can judge, uh, is your goal to help them? Because the love of God always wants the best for you. And sometimes you do have to tell people, and I've done lots of times, you know, when, when the one fellow... One time that uh, uh, we, we were in a board meeting at church and um, uh, we, were, we were talking about something and, and um, he specifically asked a question. You, you ever had people ask a question to put you under pressure to get you to answer in a certain way? You know, I remember uh, one time when my kids were small, uh, we'd said something about, you know, not, not having any kids over for that, for that day or something like that, you know, because we had something to do and and so they brought a friend and they said hey uh, dad can they come over and so you know and so I said hey number one uh, no uh, and number two is uh, don't be bringing your friend over here to try to pressure me into giving you the answer that you want I said that's manipulation and now they're just tall right they're already learning as a, as a child how to manipulate and so I called them on I said you know you're not going to manipulate me by bringing your friend here the answer is the answer, right? And, and so the answer is no. The answer is still no, whether you brought your friend over there to pressure me or not. Uh, but, but a lot of times people will, will try to pressure you uh, into those things, amen? And so you, you have to be careful about, about yielding that because your flesh is going to try to pressure you uh, in these situations also, right? And we were talking about something just before that, right? What was yeah, that? You guys, the board meeting. Board oh, yeah, board meeting. Yeah, yeah, the board meeting, yeah. So, so in the board meeting, and so they asked a question. When they asked a question, because uh, we'd already talked about it, right? We'd already talked about this, this subject, but they asked a question to try to get me and the rest of the board to agree with them. And of course, you know, I still said no because it was the right thing to do. And so later on, just me and him, I went to him privately. I said, hey, what you did was wrong. You knew that you did that to manipulate us to, to, to give an answer for something that you already knew the answer to. Well, you know, you want me to, you want me to apologize? I said, I don't want you to, I don't need your apology. I want you to see what you did was wrong. That's what my goal was to, for them to see that what they did was, a, was manipulation and it's of the devil. You know, you don't have to manipulate people. Just be honest with people. Hey, uh, you know, can you do this, right? I mean, if you need a dollar, just ask me for a dollar, right? I've had people walk in that door. I said, hey, how's it going? Oh, going good. What are you out doing? He said, I'm just out trying to find some change on the ground to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> and, and, you know, what are they trying to do? Manipulate a dollar out of your pocket. And I said, man, I hope you find it. I hope you find the change and get you a nice cup of coffee. You know, let me know if you get it. Now, I had a dollar in my pocket. I could have given him a dollar. But, you know, you, you, know, you don't have to manipulate God. He said, just ask. You know, some people will just will, they'll go through the entire, go to the other end of the world before they'll ask. They'll hint around about everything. Sure would be nice if I had a dollar, you know. I mean, have people come up to me, you know, uh, they knew we were getting ready to, uh, to uh, get a new vehicle. Oh, I wish I had a vehicle like that. I've always wanted a vehicle just like that one. 
You know, you can just say, hey, can I have your car? Now, that's pretty, pretty bold, right? I've had people come up to me and say, hey, you're moving. Can I have your furniture? They asked me that one time. Hey, you're moving. Well, I'm taking my furniture. Thank you very much. You know, I mean, I guess that's bold, but uh, at least it wasn't manipulation. It was bold, but, um, you know, and so I just, as a, in the same boldness, they asked me, I told them no, you know. Uh, and so, but, that, but, that's, uh, but that's what he tried to do is to try to manipulate, right? Uh, and so, you know, the love of God was, was never do that. The love of God is, the love, the love of God is very frank, but always kind, right? And see, if you can't be kind when you say that, because uh, Paul told, uh, in another place, he said, always speak the truth in what? Love. In love. And see, if you can't speak the truth in love, well, I had to tell him the truth. Well, he didn't sound like he was doing it in love, right? Man, you ugly today. Well, I mean, that may be technically correct, but it's not the truth, right? I mean, it's not, there's no love in that, right? Uh, and so... Uh, love will never fail, never fail. If you will learn to yield to love, right, in, in every moment, every situation, because sometimes love will say, you need to tell them what, what they did was wrong. And that's perfectly fine, right? There's nothing wrong with telling people that what they did was wrong. Yeah, but what's, the mo- what's your motivation? Is to help them or to, or to harm them, right? Well, I had to put them in their place. Well, that's not the love of God. The love of God is not intended to put somebody in their place. And, and the love of God is not always there to expose their sin. That's not the purpose of the love of God. The love of God is to help them. If exposing their sin helps them, then fine. But, I mean, I've having lots of people, you know, uh, uh, just say things and do things, and it wasn't the love of God. It was just their own emotions trying to do things, right? And sometimes we think that the love of God is never saying anything. Didn't Jesus uh, tell the, the Pharisees that they're whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones? That they, are, that they are, are of their father, the devil. So did he do that in love? He did because he wanted the Pharisees to straighten up. Amen. And would they, did they straighten up? Well, no. doesn't mean that love is always successful on their end, but love is always successful on your end. Amen. And so, you know, the love of God, it, it never fails. If you will follow love, you see, going back to what I said earlier, that most important thing is my relationship with the Lord Jesus. So if, I always follow, if I always follow love, I am always okay with the Lord. Other people may not like it. Other people may be unhappy with me. Other people may think they got one over me because love says don't say anything. And so it doesn't matter on, on their end what they think or what they do. I'm always okay. See, if I follow, if I follow love, I'm always okay. And, and, and as long as I'm okay, man, I'm okay. I know that sounds just pretty deep right there. But, but if, you're, if you're okay with the Lord, man, you're good. You're always good. Amen. And if there are people, you know, I've had lots of people walk out of my life thinking, well, I really told him. You know, they didn't tell me anything. I'm on my way to heaven. The Lord loves me. That's right. Amen. If he loves me, man, I'm good. Yeah. If you don't love me, you know, it's really not my problem. Amen. Uh, and, you know, uh, one of the things, you know, the Lord's always had me follow uh, uh, Kenneth Hagin, just in my own, my own personal life, just follow his ministry and the things that he taught. Uh, you know, there's no, people say, well, you know, you follow uh, uh, the Hagen doctrine. There's no Hagen doctrine. It's just the word, amen. But he, he lived the word in such a way for us to see how he did it and, and to use that example in our lives. Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. So we get to see a man that we knew uh, how he followed the Lord and, and it was a good example. And, 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 you know, he had seven or eight major visions from the Lord. The Lord spoke to him personally, right? He had, you know, he said at one time that he'd pray for 10,000 people at that point in time in his ministry to receive the Holy Spirit, and they all received it. And he said that after he got the 10,000, I should quit counting, because you know, after a while you get into pride about those things. And he saw spectacular healings and 
casting out devils and, and, and uh, had a worldwide ministry, sold millions and millions of books. And yet I think the greatest attribute of his entire life and ministry was his walk of love. More than anything, more than everything else, I think it was his walk of love. Yeah. And, uh, and so he, was, he told about this one story about when he was a traveling minister, he traveled in a certain uh, Pentecostal denomination. So they'd go from church to church in, in these denominations and, and speak at their churches. And he said at one particular church, he, he gets there to the house, right, him and his wife, uh, and, and they get there late. And so they get up for breakfast the next day. They're going to be at this church for three or four days. Uh, and, and they get up and, the, and the, the husband and wife are gone. They, they left the house, right? And so no breakfast on the table. And he thought, well, maybe they went to go get something. Well, they were gone like the whole day. Never came back for lunch, you know, never came back, brought any food. And, and he's thinking, well, maybe they just, some emergency came up, right? Somebody died or, you know, some, some amazing thing happened. They couldn't come back and bring them food. And, but there wasn't anything. And so we thought, well, we're going to preach tonight. We'll preach. And maybe he's planning on taking us out to dinner afterwards. And sure enough, they preached. They went back to the house. And immediately the, the husband and wife went to bed. And so now there's a second day. They get up the next morning, same thing. No breakfast, right? No food. Yeah, and about lunchtime, and again, they, they were gone all day, and, and so uh, they kind of rummaged through the cupboards looking for food, and they think they found like one hot dog and a cracker or something, I mean, just uh, small things, and this went on for two or three days, not feeding them, right? And, 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 and of course, you know, he could have said something, but, but um, him, and, him and his wife got to talking, him and Aretha got to talking. Well, you know, the superintendent of our denomination needs to know about this, about how this pastor's treating visiting ministers, because isn't that terrible? You know, when we have a visiting minister, we, we treat them good, right? We get them a nice hotel room. We have a basket of, of goodies, right? And, and Brother Randy always called it bribes, right? He, he said, I, I got your bribe. And, uh, you know, it's got all kinds of snacks and fruit and, and things in there. And, and um, you know, we try to, we honor them, right? Because they, they have, have uh, dedicated their life in service of the Lord. And so there's nothing wrong with honoring them about that. Uh, and so he, uh, uh, they were talking, well, we're going to call... We're going to call the superintendent. And we're going to tell him that this pastor doesn't need to be treating his, his, his uh, guest minister this way. Well, I mean, is it wrong that the pastor treated the guest minister that way? Well, sure, you know, especially, I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, you can go, you can go out, of, out, out of bounds in those things, no doubt, and, and, and you know, uh, have guest ministers say, well, uh, you know, I need, I need water from the springs of France or something in order to be, you know, I mean, you can get out of bounds in those things, no doubt, right? But feeding somebody is not out of bounds, amen? Giving them food at, at all is not really uh, excessive, amen? Uh, and so, well, we should, tell, we should tell the superintendent. And, of course, back in that day, you had one phone on a phone table in the hallway, right? Uh, and, uh, and, you know, there wasn't a phone in every room. Uh, and you didn't have cordless phones. You just had one phone in the house. And so he left the room, and, and a few minutes later came back, and his, his wife said, what did he say? And he said, he said, I couldn't do it. He said, the love of God rose up in me. He said, I cannot be a part of this man's failure. See, the love of God constrained him, right? See, the love of God, when the Bible says the love of God constrains us, and it says that, it means the love of God, it's not it's like it's holding you back. That's the wrong understanding of it. It means it, it keeps you in the path that you're supposed to walk. And so, so Brother Hagin, he, the love of God in him could not cause this man to fail. Even though he was failing, uh, but see, if he told the superintendent, the superintendent would have pulled him out of the church, probably you know, pulled his credentials and said, you can't pastor anymore. And, and was, it, was that the best thing for that man? No, the best thing for the man would have been to repent, right? That would have been the best thing for that pastor to do is to repent. 
And so the love of God constrained brother, hey, you, you can't do that. Now, does that mean that you never confront people? No. But whatever the love of God says, that's the right thing. And so you can't do that. So he said, I, I can't do that. So they finished up the meetings, and sure enough, you know, it wasn't within a year the man was out of the, out of the ministry, but it wasn't anything on Brother Hagin's side. See, the Lord is long-suffering, and he will give somebody a long time to repent. Amen? Now, at the end, they may not repent. Amen? I mean, they, they may just decide that uh, they don't want to do that. Amen? <clears throat> and so... Um, <clears throat> Uh, back over in, in Luke chapter 13, and then we'll go. Uh, this is a, a parable that the Lord spoke in uh, verse 6. It says, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I, I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? Now, the, in the parable here, the, the, the dresser or the, uh, the owner of the vineyard is the Lord. And he's the one who's judging whether we have fruit or not. And if we don't have fruit, then, then uh, we have uh, no, no treasures in heaven to our account. And we are the dresser. And he, he the dresser, answered him and said, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig around it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. You know, our response is to, is to help people as much as we can. Our, resp- our responsibility is, Lord, if, if I can provide fertilizer in their life and help them and be kind to them and be good to them and hopefully they get out of the situation where they're not bearing fruit, then that's what we're going to do. Uh, and that should be our desire, amen? Our desire should be to help, even though not bearing any fruit. That pastor wasn't bearing any fruit, wasn't, wasn't doing the right thing with Brother Hagin, but he's like, Lord, I, I can't do that. I cannot be part, you know... Uh, of this man's failure. How many of us would, if the Lord said, I'm going to cut him down, Lord, I've got an axe right here. I've got one. Can I go first? You know, I don't want to go first. I never want to be the Lord, want to say, Lord, I, you know, I've got a, I've got a chainsaw. In fact, you're just awesome, right? You know, I'll, we'll cut him down. No problem. No, you know, no time at all, Lord. You know, I'm never going to be the one wielding the chainsaw. Amen. I'm going to be the one going, Lord, no, no, let's give it another year. Uh, get, let me work with him a year. And you know, sometimes you can help people and sometimes, because it doesn't say, doesn't say that the man started bearing fruit. It's a, let's see what happens, right? So it's 50-50, right? I mean, you know, who knows? You don't really know. But I'm always going to be the one who says, Lord, uh, give me another year with this guy. Amen? Because the love of God in me never fails. It cannot fail. It's impossible for the love of God in you to fail. You can fail, but the love of God in you will never fail. You can never say, my love ran out. No, not technically you cannot say that. You, can biblically, you cannot biblically say that. Amen. You can say, I chose not to yield to love. Well, that's, that's correct. Amen. But, to, you know, the problem with that statement is you look bad. It's my fault. Oh, yeah. And, and, and we don't want anything to be our fault. Right? We want to be that guy's fault. We want to be the guy who brought the offense. It's his fault. Well, the Lord didn't say it's that guy's fault that brought the offense. Uh, I mean, he brought the offense and he's, he's, he, he will suffer the consequences to bring that offense. But how you respond to the offense is on you. And if you, if you respond incorrectly, it's still on you. Amen? You can't say it's that guy's fault. Jesus never said, you know, that, that uh, you're, you, get a free, you get a free, one free expression of sin per year if someone brings an offense. You know, and so don't double up. Don't allow someone to bring an offense, and then you respond in, 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 in the flesh, and now you've doubled up. Amen? Someone brings an offense to you, just, Lord, what do you want me to do? See, if you can just leave out your emotions for a minute and say, Lord, what, how do you want me to respond? What do you want me to say? And sometimes the Lord says, just don't say anything. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, I remember years ago, 
someone came to me and, and, uh, uh, and they said, hey, I, I, I need to apologize. And this, in all my life, this is the only person who ever apologized to me uh, about something like this. I said, really, what for? They said, well, you remember like three years ago when we were talking? This was years ago, right? You remember se- several years ago we were talking? And they said, you know, nobody cares about me. You know, n- nobody cares if I live or die. And I remember that conversation. And I remember thinking when they were saying that, well, they're not talking about me because I care about them, you know? And they said, I was talking about you. Said, really? <laughs> See, I didn't take it as an offense because, you know, I knew what I thought about them. I, I cared about their life, you know? But see, I didn't, I didn't respond. I didn't, I didn't do things like they thought I should do, you know, like call them all the time. Hey, you okay? You know, it's like, you know, it's, we got to grow up someday, right? You know, and that person's been around the Lord long enough, they should know, right? And so several years ago, they tried to offend me, and I didn't even take the offense, right? I, I didn't, I, oh, I'm sorry. I, and, you know, a lot of times I'm very ignorant when people try to offend me, you know, because they come up and say, you know, uh, pastors who are always trying to get money out of people. I guess, that, you know, that's terrible. I don't do that. But they'll talk about me, right? Or, or you know, pastors don't ever teach their people anything. Well, yeah, I know that's terrible, but they're not talking about me because I do, you know. But they'll say things with the intention of trying to offend me, but I don't take the offense because I know my heart, right? I know, you know, I'm not perfect, but I know my heart, right? Uh, and, and a lot of times people will try to offend you without being man enough to actually offend you, right? I mean, if you can be man enough, just offend them. Hey, I'm talking about you. Okay, well, fine. Don't, don't mealy mouth around and go, well, you know, people who do those things, right? I mean, I'm not trying to tell you, I'm not trying to give you a class on how to offend, obviously, but, uh, but uh, you know, be a man about it, right? Uh, Stand up and be like a man and, and, and just tell it like you think, amen? Uh, or walk in love. I mean, if you walk in love, you won't have any, any desire to offend anybody, right? And look, uh, I have offended uh, people lots of times without even intentionally about that. In fact, I, was, I wrote an email about, uh, about the situation about just the other day that, uh, you know, I work with a lot of Bible translations and, and this, this one, you know, when, when I, when I uh, get these translations, one of the first things I do is I, I wrote a bunch of uh, computer programs that check for errors in their translation, you know, just little things. And, and, and usually I'll, I'll send a list of corrections to the author, right? Hey, here's found all these errors in your translation. Here's a list of corrections. And I do that, you know, if it was me, I'd want to know, right? And, and so uh, I happened to meet one of, the tr- one of the writers of one of these translations in person, met him. Oh, yeah, I know your translation. I said, yeah, I, I sent like a whole list of pages, a whole page of, of, of corrections to your website uh, uh, about about your translation. There's no errors in my translation. <laughs> you mean that page of errors I sent to you? I mean, those are, those were all errors, right? I mean, I told you the book, chapter, verse, you know, here on this verse, you had this error, right? Two, two, two uh, commas or whatever, you know, just little things, right? But still, uh, corrections, and, but he got offended, and there was no offense on my side. So there, a lot of times people can take offense when there's no offense there, right? It's a borrowed offense. I didn't, I didn't give him an offense. And so I had no repenting to do. I wasn't trying to lord it over him like, you know, but, you know, uh, I'm not going to go through life uh, in such a way that, that well, I'm never going to say anything, never going to do anything uh, because I'm afraid somebody's going to take offense. You know, there's no offense there. there you know, you know, if I knew, I didn't know the person very well. If I knew him well enough, you know, you know, some people are like, you can't say anything to him. You know, some people you talk to him, you know, okay, you can't, this person right here, you can't say anything. They're going to be offended. So you just don't say anything. But other people you don't know, and you're just having a conversation, they get offended. But see, I, I chose, I'm never going to be offended. If you come and be, I don't like that message. Man, I, I'm sorry. It was a great message, right? <laughs> you should have been there. You were there. Oh, well, 
you should listen better because it was a good message, right? And I've had people tell me that some of my messages are terrible, and I'm thinking, well, I know that one in particular. I, th- I really enjoyed that message, you know? And look, I can't tell you how many times when at the end of a message, I feel better than the beginning of the message. I think, I learned something. You know, I'm up here learning as much as you are. Oftentimes, a lot of times, the things I say, I get it the same time you hear it. Like, what? Well, you know, I've had, when did you get that? Same time you heard it, right? And so I, I get to learn those things. And, and, and the, lots of times people, you know, I didn't like that message. It's like, it's the word of God. How can you not like the word of God? What's wrong with you, right? And, and so I love the word and I love everything about the word. And really at the end of every message, and I, in fact, I don't know, I was thinking about this during praise and worship. At the end of every message, you should be a different person. Every message. That's my goal. My goal is every time I speak, by the time I get done speaking, you should be a different person, a better person. Amen. Because I'm hoping that I'm a better person. Uh, and so the love of God never fails. Never, ever, ever fails. And you have to decide, is that true or not? I know it to be true. Amen. I have leaned on the love of God so many times when my flesh wanted to do something different. Uh, and, and I've always come out ahead. Always. Even if the person leaves thinking, I got one over on him. Never. Not one time have you won. Uh, has anyone won in that situation where they tried to offend and walked away thinking, I sure told him. Jesus loves me, amen. He loves them too. He just loves me more, obviously, right? And so, uh, but, uh, but we can do that, amen. Do you have confidence in the love that's in you right now? Do you believe that the love of God in you is capable of never failing, amen? Uh, and well, I, I believe that to be true, amen. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for the love of God that's, that's, that lives in our hearts. Father, it, it's, it's, uh, it's infinitely capable of dealing with every situation. Father, it never runs out. It's, it's never weak, Father. It never weakens. It never, it never diminishes and has to be restored. Father, it's always supernaturally capable in every situation and circumstance to overcome. So Lord, we choose to yield to your love. We choose to yield to what you want, Father. If you want us to speak in love, we will speak in love. If you want us to hold our tongue in love, we will hold our tongue in love. Father, we will yield to the love of God so that we are always on the right path with you. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the great promise of the love of God. And, Lord, we give you all praise and honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. We thank the Lord for his, his love. Amen. Uh, to me, it's, a, it's, a great, uh, it's one of the, the great efforts that you, that you will spend in your Christian walk is how do I walk in the love of God more? Uh, in fact, I don't know if there's any greater, uh, uh, greater endeavor in your Christian life because God is love. And, and, and every, if, if you do everything out of love, you will change the world. And you'll change yourself first, right? But you'll change the world. And you'll live at peace every day. That's the thing, I like, uh, thing I, that I like about the love of God is, man, me and the Lord, we're always good. If I stay in love, I'm always good with the Lord. I'm never like, oh, he feels, you know, I've got to go repent. Or, you know, you're always good with the Lord. Amen? Now, even if other people aren't happy or even if other people do things or, you know, leave you or whatever, you're always good with the Lord. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, well, let's get ready to receive this, this uh, morning's tithes and offerings. As the Lord, is, as the Lord blessed us, you know, he's been good to us. Amen. He's been good to us to give us good jobs. Amen. To, to earn an income by giving us intelligence or skills or knowledge or whatever the ability we, we bring to bear in those things. And so it's, it's really a small thing for us to give back to him. Amen. And so we're thankful that we have the opportunity to give. And, and so let's pray and then we'll receive the offering this morning. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give into your kingdom. 
And Father, it's an honor to give. In fact, Father, you said that you give seed to the sower and you multiply the seed sown. And so, Lord, we are sowers. And if we are sowers, then you give us seed. And so, Father, we thank you that you have given us seed to sow. And, Father, not only is it going to be seed, Father, it will multiply. So, Father, we thank you for your, the promise of your word. We thank you, Father, that your word is so. And so, Father, as you were the great sower, we are also sowers into your kingdom. And we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, come ahead, Mr. Jared. And so don't forget uh, uh, soup next Sunday, right? Uh, and then, uh, uh, of course, we'll have a healing school today at 3 o'clock. And we call it healing school, which sounds uh, uh, intimidating, right, if you're not a student. But it's not really school because there's no, uh, there's no tests, no grades, right? Uh, and so it's pretty good school, right? Uh, you get to learn things without tests or grades. Uh, and so uh, there's a little bit of homework. You've got to read the book and stuff, but um, it's pretty good, amen? But we just focus on the topic of divine healing and living in divine health, what the Word of God says about that, and uh, the foundation for that faith, amen? Uh, and we've been doing this for many years. We have not exhausted all that there is to know about uh, healing in the Word of God. Amen? Uh, so that's today at 3 o'clock, and then, of course, Wednesday at 7 p.m. So uh, be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and you're dismissed.